This is Disney historian Didier Gaz. You're listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Sure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio-quality audio at home or on the road, the Shure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 Podcast Kit, visit Shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by... The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com and by listeners like you. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome once again to another episode of Skull Rock Podcast. All things Disney and so much more. We take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, books, performances, and so much more. I'm Al John Go, longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culturist. And you can contact me, Al John, A L J O N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Al John, uh, how are you? I am doing swimmingly. Excellent. You know, all things considered, uh, I was a, uh, I was buried for two two nights or two days under a couple sheets of ice, but we we dug out. Wow, I know it's really crazy. You know, uh, yesterday, uh, which would have been Saturday uh, for our listeners, it was minus thirty nine degrees up in uh, Boston. Oh man, and, you know, I have a lot of friends up and family up in the Boston area. Yeah, and I have never heard of temperatures that low in the Boston area that I can recall. And, and believe it or not, Mount Washington, Vermont, mm-hmm. minus one hundred and eight. I, I don't even understand how it can get that cold on planet Earth. <laughs> it's, it's insanity, you know? I mean, it really like, is. It's crazy. And guess what? Yes. It's going to warm up to like 40 in, in Boston um, uh, in the next couple of days. Unbelievable. I mean, I mean, talk about an Arctic blast. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Maybe it is global, warm, global warming or whatever the case is and like nature strikes back. I don't know, but... You know, Nashville weather is so temperamental anyway. Uh, I yeah. think uh, my wife had said to a friend, it's like, yes, you know that uh, Nashville weather, especially during the winter, it's literally everything's fine and fall-like, and then there's like two weeks of winter, and then another week of, of spring, and then another two weeks of winter, and then it's summertime. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, out here in California, you know, you have winter and summer. Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. You know. I, so, it, it uh, ain't bad. <laughs> hey, listen, we've got a great show today. Yeah. Um, we're kicking off Black History Month yes. with the first black animator at Disney Studios. Yes. The the legendary Disney animator, Ron Husband. Man. Ron Husband is gonna be with us. And he's gonna be with us for a couple of weeks. 
So I'm really excited about that. Now, if our listeners are thinking, wow, these guys really plan their shows out, you know, <laughs> this is completely not the case. It's uh, serendipitous. Exactly. This just happened to be the case. We 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 booked Ron Husband, <laughs> and it just so happens that the first episode of our, our three-part interview is dropping on the the first uh week, the first full week of Black History Month. Absolutely. How do you like that? Yeah. I, I think it's great. First of all, Ron is just such a he is just the man. He's just so cool, calm and collected, and has got wonderful stories. Always has a smile on his face. But you know, there's some things about his career that are very inspiring to me. And the mm -hmm. fact that he's overcome a lot of just, you know, health things and you get to talk about um the his his kind of beginnings as an artist and, and moving into animation, I think is just a really cool story and one that a lot of people need to kind of, you know, listen to and, and hopefully they can get a lot of good things out of it. I think the content is so good. Like we were having him on for an entire month. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, as you know, I, I worked with him uh, uh, on so many different pictures. So we're going to delve into a lot of these great pictures from from the 80s and, and the 1990s uh, and hear some of the stories behind the scenes with him. So we're looking forward to that coming up. Absolutely. And before we get into the news and what we've been watching this week, uh, we actually do have we have a message coming in answers your email we have a little broadcast here a little email action network excellent all right well comment. you know I, I i got one comment from a past guest jorgen klubin oh yeah yeah you know jorgen who who's a great story artist and uh animator uh and also a danish rock and roll star uh, we have that in common, um, but i'm not you danish. know <laughs> he, he's really a very interesting guy i want to have him back on the show at some point he's awesome. uh but he sent me a note he said uh i did enjoy listening to both dan jupe and Kevin Kidney. Yeah. Who's up next? You got to keep feeding the beast, Dave. You know? <laughs> yes, well, we I, I have to tell you, uh, I, uh, uh, I enjoyed getting this email from Jorgen. I always enjoy uh, getting notes from him because he, he's got a wicked sense of humor. Uh, some of what he wrote to me, I can't put on the air. Believe it or not, because this is a family show. Family show. Uh, but, oh no, he's good. He's good. But but I will I will say we have uh we have guests. I mean, it's crazy. We have so many guests uh booked on this show. Uh it's gonna be incredible. Aside from Ron Husband, we've got uh, uh some shows coming up with Willie Ito. Uh, and, uh, we've got, uh, Jerry Reese coming back to talk about brave little toaster. Yes. That's just a little taste. I'm going to tease everybody. It's a little taste of, of who's coming up in the coming months. I love it. I love it. Can't wait for it. And thank you once again, Jorgen for, uh, dropping a note about the show because we really enjoyed having you on. I, um, it was once again, a great highlight to have him on because I mean, talk about keeping it real and fun and uh, talking about rock music. You got to love Jorgen about that. So absolutely. Right. Absolutely. On. Did so, you get any emails? Did you say, you know what? I thought I did. And then I realized that, uh, no, that was from like a couple weeks ago. So we're good. <laughs> okay. All right, good. Well, there we go. We, we, we had a little feedback from Jorgen. So I, thanks for listening, Jorgen. Yeah. And, uh, 
Uh, we will be continuing to feed this beast. Feed the beast. I love it. So now our picks of the week, Dave, uh, what were you able to stream or watch? Well, this I, I actually went to the movies and oh. saw Knock at the Cabin. Ah, I love that. M. Night Shyamalan's Shyamalan. uh, latest yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I, I have to tell you, this movie's getting mixed reviews. Uh-oh. I enjoyed it. Oh, good. I have to tell you, I enjoyed this film. Uh, you know, it's an interesting premise. Uh, it stars, Dave, you know, Dave P- uh, Batista is in yes, it. Batista, uh, yep. And it's really uh, an enjoyable film from the standpoint of uh, the premise and the acting in it, uh, and I have to tell you, uh, Rupert uh, Rupert Glint or Gint, yeah, from from the Harry Potter movies, yes, uh, he's in it, uh, and and you know plays a really interesting character. Uh, you know, the synopsis of this is while vacationing at a remote cabin in the woods, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four, four armed strangers who demand they make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. Confused, scared, and with limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. So this wow. is, you know, essentially, um, this was uh, a uh, a little Chinese girl who was adopted by her her parents, Eric and Andrew. Uh, and, uh, they're on vacation and these four people show up and it turns out they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I love that. Right. And, uh, and they, they basically present to them the concept that they have to choose between themselves, one person to sacrifice in order to save the world. Yeah. Right. Can you imagine can you imagine that? I know. It's like, you know, choose between your your wife and your 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 family members, your kids. It's yeah. like, oh my goodness. I, right. So yeah. so that's how this plays out. And it all takes place at this cabin uh in the woods. And I have to tell you, I enjoyed it. And I'm gonna say it, and I've said it before, Dave Batista is a really good actor yeah. and has a lot of range. Yeah. He has a lot of range as far as I'm concerned. And he plays a really, really gentle, nice character named Leonard in in this movie. So anyway, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it may not be, uh, you know, uh, something uh, that other people might like. But personally, I enjoyed this film uh, in the theater. And, um, you know, I went with my friend Rick. He did not fall asleep. Okay, that's good. Okay, you know, <laughs> right. so I that's always a good judge for me, you know, because the, the week before we went to see women talking and, you know, he fell asleep partway into the movie. Oh, man. So, uh, you know, I, I have to say it kept it kept his attention. So that's a good thing. Um, uh, besides Knock at the Cabin, I finally saw Elvis. Oh, Baz, Baz Lerman's uh, uh, take on the Elvis Presley story. Hey, did, you, did you catch a lot uh, of my guitars in that film, Dave? Did you catch them? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> and, and you know something? I have to tell you. Okay. I enjoyed this movie, I, but I really enjoyed the first half of this movie. Uh-huh. The second half of the movie kind of got long in the tooth for me, you know? And uh, I have to say it was well done. 
certainly it was a spectacle. Uh, I mean, what was with Tom Hanks's accent? I, I don't know. You know? Yeah. And, and so I thought that was a bit of a odd, odd thing there. Uh, and I did like the fact that they intercut the actual Elvis um, footage towards the end. Yeah. Uh, with uh, the actor who plays Elvis. Yeah, yeah. And and it was pretty remarkable how close things were there. I mean, it, it was sort of, you know, he really embodied Elvis. Yeah, right on. That's, that's good, yeah. Yeah, and then on the small screen, I saw uh, Will Trent, uh, which is on Hulu, which is, uh, I think, an ABC show. It's kind of, you know, a, a detective procedural. Uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, shooter. With um, Ryan Felipe, Felipe, yep. right? Um, I watched. There was three seasons. I will tell everybody the first two seasons are really well done. It was really enjoyable. The oh. third season, they really stretched it out. Oof. You know, yeah. you know, it was a, it was a, a terrible way to end that. Oof. Uh, I continued to watch the Mayor of Kingstown. Yeah, on on Paramount Plus. Yep. With episodes still dropping for uh, season two. And then I caught up on a couple of um, couple of episodes of Big Sky on Hulu. There you go. So that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Uh, you know, uh, not a whole lot. You know, uh, I will tell you it was Groundhog Day uh, yes. this past week. So, of course, we made it a point to watch one of our favorite rom-coms, Groundhog Day with uh, Bill Murray and Andy McDowell, uh, a classic. But it's so strange, you know, how Bill Murray has, <laughs> has kind of been a, a very um, controversial character as of late uh, regarding uh, some of his alleged actions and, and kind of how he treats his uh, fellow co-stars. But still... It's a great movie. Yeah, but you know, you know, I, I I'm just going to interject here, Al John. Mm -hmm. You know as well as I do, just the the uh, societal uh, perceptions have changed. Yes, you know. So what Bill Murray was doing, you know, with uh, you know hugging somebody or playing a prank or you know just being funny, yeah, ten twenty years ago was no big deal. Now, all of a sudden, it's, you know, oh, my God, you know, he's he's touched me inappropriately or he done, you know, did something, you right. know, and I, I I don't know, you know, where the truth lies because you don't know what the real facts are. No, uh, I I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt until something like major happens and like the whole bill cosby thing like oh <laughs> you know i don't even want to touch that well yeah but that's right. a different story it's you know you got story. 50 you got 50 women coming out saying that they've been drugged and, yep. and assaulted and yep. all kinds of stuff you know what yep. i mean that, that's a different story yes you know the this is this is like one or two things where he's clowning around and somebody just took it the wrong way yeah absolutely absolutely i i still uh, you know, this is a conversation maybe that, you know, maybe we could have one day is, you know, and I had this with some friends too. It's like, do people's actions past or, or present uh, deter you from separating the work of the actor or actress or what have you, um, you know, their work, right? Um, can you still appreciate it or have you cast them out, 
right? Yeah, no, and, I mean, like, look, the body of work that somebody has done is the body of work. Yes. You know, uh, you know, just because Bill Cosby did all these things, are you not going to watch the Cosby show? The right. Cosby show is a great sitcom. Yep. And and it wasn't just Bill Cosby. There was a whole cast uh, uh, of actors. Yeah. You know, so do you do you shudder uh, all of that? Right. Uh, or do you appreciate that sitcom for what it is and separate the individuals and their personal lives from that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? It, that's the and that's a conversation. Some of my friends yeah. were like, yeah, um, no. And then some of them were like, were like me where, you know, I could kind of distance that and kind of compartmentalize this person did some did some horrible things and we can cast that aside, but look at, at the cast, the crew, the lighting, the art of it all and go, yeah, that's cool. Right. I mean, so I don't know that that's a whole separate thing. I don't mean to go down this rabbit hole, but it, you know, it was something that had been on my mind that you and I hadn't really talked about. And it was a very interesting conversation. This is what, these are the type of conversations you have with your friends when you're just having, you know, relaxing at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You so, know, and yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're having these over uh, a drink. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And uh, I think that that's, you know, reasonable yeah. uh, to have, have those conversations and those are the kinds of conversations you should have exactly. but by the way getting we, we kind of went off on a tangent here but groundhog day by the way fathom events was doing yep. an anniversary screening of <laughs> um groundhog day yep. in, in the movie theaters it's i didn't great. have a chance to go see that one yeah but i i did want to let people know that it it is playing in the movie theaters if you wanted to see it on a big screen it's it's a wonderful film it's it, it's fun uh and it's that irreverence that that people love to see out of uh, bill murray and annie mcdowell both um i also been watching uh, the new fantasy island on fox and hulu and i can say that um it, it's it's good i think a lot of people will kind of miss the whole uh ricardo montalban mr rourke situation but this is kind of the successor of that because you have uh you know Mr. Work's daughter now running Fantasy Island, the magical island that grants people wishes whether they want to confront their their biggest fantasies and how they deal with it and move on. But this past week, it, I thought it was an interesting thing because they had a guest star, Maureen McCormick, who everyone knows as Marsha Brady from the Brady Bunch. Wow. A, a, a quick little tidbit. I mean, it's a it's a very small role, but she was on the original Fantasy Island six times playing six different characters really absolutely and i was a big fan of fantasy island and the love boat growing up because they both aired at the same time on abc on the weekend or something and so i would watch that as a kid going yeah i'd love to take a cruise i think it's great and plus everyone had a crush on julie right on on uh, on the love boat which i yeah did. there you go and then fantasy island was just great a great drama at the time another i think it was aaron spelling who produced it and this new reboot of Fantasy Island is actually, it's smart, and its I, I enjoy it a lot. And the fact that Maureen was on this episode means that she's been on Fantasy Island like seven times. Like the most of anybody, <laughs> The most right? of anybody in terms of just her on-screen appearances, but I think it was really neat 
because uh, in this fantasy, they go back to the 80s, which I think is is kind of interesting. So uh, Fantasy Island, I think, is a fun watch if you are nostalgic for that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I think it's a great, you know, fun is, dramedy. Is there is there a Hervé uh, Villachez? Uh, yeah, so so unfortunately, uh, Tattoo um, Villachez, uh, he, had, he committed suicide, I think, a number right. of years ago. But there is a um, a woman there uh, who assumes the the assistant role of tattoo, but they don't call her that. Um, but she does have. No, a tattoo. But she's not a little person. No, she's not a little person. She is. Uh, but she, you know, she was a I think uh, a grandma a grandmother who had passed away or was getting ready. She had a terminal illness. Went to the island, and now the island and her are are kind of intertwined. Mm. And so she can't leave the island without it. When she leaves the island, she'll continue to grow old and pass away from her cancer, but she's now bound to it. And she's, a, she's literally like a 25 year old. Okay. So right. that's interesting. Uh, another show that uh, I'm kind of watching is ghosts on Paramount plus, and it's got several seasons to it uh, at this point. But it's just a a fun movie about a haunted house where all these ghosts had lived over hundreds of years. And this new couple, of course, comes into the mix, buying the house, and uh, they're interacting with these ghosts, these haunted house ghosts, uh, which are kind of cool. And, of course, the ghosts are from every single era, all the way from you have like this... um, I don't know if you've seen the show, Dave, but it's it's funny. No, but the so a, let, let me ask you this: yeah. is, is it like scary ghosts that nope. are gonna like rip them apart, nope. or is it like just ghosts of past residents? It's ghosts of past residents, and they have a group. It's kind of like group therapy. They are all there from different areas. It's a comedy. <laughs> oh, okay, fantastic! So it's a comedy. So yeah, this is a little outside the norm for me, Dave. Right? Okay. Um, right. But it's it's funny because you have a, a civil war person that has a little arrow stuck in his head, you know? So every time you see him, he's kind of like the comic relief and you have this um, Viking that's there for whatever reason. And then you have these, uh, this hippie and this other person here, but they all died from mysterious uh, circumstances and it kind of unfolds as you, you go on, but they're like, Hey, can we communicate with this new person? You know? Yeah. And they all end up dying in this house for whatever reason. So, uh, Definitely something to check out. Different, but it's a sitcom. So enjoy Ghost on Paramount Plus. Awesome. Well, there you go. There, there's some some stuff to watch. Absolutely, it's good stuff though. Skull Rock Podcast ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. Uh, I just wanted to mention this before we move on. You know, it is Black History Month, and they just released Black Panther on Disney Plus. Wakanda awesome. Forever. So uh, check it out. There was a little bit of a note saying that some fans were disappointed because Ryan Coogler had shot some scenes in the in the film that were really dark. And when I mean dark, I mean lit, uh, barely lit, or lit in a certain fashion for yeah, the theaters. And, and, that, and that's the kind of thing when you see it on a big screen. Like I saw, I, I saw uh, uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever on, on, in IMAX. Right. You know, that that kind of lighting plays because you can actually see it. But when it translates down to a smaller screen, uh, that gets, you know, pretty obscured and you might not be able to see what's going on. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, and I'm like you, we saw it on, on a, a big screen um, in the drive in theater with the kids and we, we loved it. We thought it was great. We thought it was you know, a little dark, but yes, it just didn't translate. So it looks like 
Marvel may be punching up those scenes um, in post production to say to maximize it for the TV audience, which will uh, be good. yeah, and that's an easy thing for them to do. Uh, that's not a big deal, and it's not going to hurt it uh, creatively. They've done that before. In yeah. fact, uh, you know, recently they actually changed the ending. I don't know if you heard of this of Miss Marvel the series. Did you know that? No. So the ending had a shot, uh, several shots of the Statue of Liberty, and they wanted to maintain continuity between that and Spider-Man: Far From Home, where the Statue of Liberty had the Captain America shield and everything. And yeah, it was brought yeah. down. So they changed the Statue of Liberty to make it look like it was happening right after Spider-Man: No Way From Home, Nowhere, No Way, uh, wow. No Way Home, yeah, okay. or yeah, Far From Home, or whatever, whatever. The last one, Hope. Yeah, but that, that's keeping <laughs> that's keeping the uh, the continuity of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, they did the same thing with WandaVision yeah. too. At the yeah. very end, they changed a little bit of WandaVision. So they're, yeah. they're not. Well, speaking of Marvel, I have to say that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Ant Man. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania is going to be coming out really soon. I'm talking about like uh, weeks for it to come out. So that's that's going to be really exciting. The trailers are great, but did you know that the book Scott Lang, which has uh, which is the Ant Man's alter ego, his his real personality, his book Look Out for the Little Guy is actually available for pre order on Amazon. It's a real book, y'all. That that's great. That's, it, that really is fantastic. Isn't so it? yeah, it's so meta. But yeah, it says about the author. Here's the boilerplate for the author: Scott Lang is a scientist and inventor with a master's degree in electrical engineering. He's been an ice cream scooper, corporate whistleblower, a consultant for the Pym Van Dyne Foundation, and Avenger. He lives in San Francisco, and of course, this is uh, his his uh, autobiography about you know, coming from meager beginnings and his uh, con work as a, as a kind of a con man and then going in as an Avenger. And, you know, we were shown this uh, look out for the little guy book in the Miss Marvel series on Disney plus first. And it looks like they're actually going to be producing this as a, as a real book. Uh, Of course it's fiction, (laughs) you know, Uh, unless, unless you're just delusional. Um, But but you know something that's the same as uh, if you remember the TV show castle, Right. Yes. Richard Castle was a writer. Well, they put out a whole bunch of Richard Castle uh, mystery novels. That's right. It's awesome. Right. You know, I mean, it just ties it all together. Right. It certainly does. I think it's another great uh, piece of marketing for them, uh, for Marvel. So and, and by the that. way, the trailer for Ant-Man is just absolutely fantastic. I actually had a uh, chance to see that at the head of Avatar in 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it, it was pretty amazing. So that looks like it's going to be a blowout movie because, I mean, just spectacular. You got to see that on a big screen. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. We're, we're probably going to have to get sitters and, and watch it because this is the kickoff of the brand new arc for the MCU. Um, I yeah. think they're what the, the phase five is what we're in now. So this is, this is going to be amazing. And, and by the way, this year is going to be an insane year for movies. There are so many great movies coming out. Uh, I can't even contain myself, you know, because I can't wait to see them. Yeah, I guess Hollywood is back, Dave, isn't it? I mean, Avatar is just uh, and, and in box office news, Avatar blew out the Avengers from being in the top 10. Yeah. So there, there you go. I mean, that's a huge deal. 
So mm-hmm. congratulations once again to James Cameron and the Avatar Avatar team. But now yeah, they're but part be, of Team you know, Disney. Aside so. from Avatar, <laughs> you you also had um, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, Top Gun Maverick. You know, I mean, you know, both both of those movies were huge for 2022. Yeah, I think it's it's safe to say you you make great films. People will come out to see those films and support the the local theaters and, and the businesses there. So that's it. So in the drama that continues, Nelson Peltz targets Disney director Michael uh, Froman in a proxy battle. Dave, here we go again. All right. For, so first off, folks, I, I'm going to give Al John an apology. What? Because I think last on the last show, you you said, is it Tryon? Yeah. Uh, Nelson Peltz's company, Tryon? And I said, no, it's Train. Yeah. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. my bad. It, you were right. It was Tryon. Okay. okay. So Nelson Peltz's company, Tryon, is at it again. And this is unusual because he's targeting a specific board member, Michael Froman, who, uh, I, I mean, you know, look, all I can say is Nelson Peltz owns less than 1% of Disney stock. All right. And management. You know, the uh, Mark Parker, the chairman of the board at Disney, Bob Iger, all of them have pushed back against Nelson Peltz. He doesn't understand a media company like Disney. And we said this, I, you know, I said this last weekend, uh, Disney's a is a company that uh, that really sort of stands on its own. You know, it's got, uh, you know, 100 years of history. It's uh, a special company and it's not one that you could just come into and, you know, shake, shake things up and sell stuff off and do whatever just to squeeze another nickel out of it. You know, Uh, I just feel like if you are a Disney shareholder and Al John, you are, I am. And I know a lot of our listeners uh, have Disney stock. I would say to you, Vote with management. That's what you should do. When the proxy shows up, you should vote on the recommendation of senior management. And that includes Bob Iger and the board of directors and uh, send this guy Nelson Peltz packing. He's not going to bring anything to the table. He doesn't understand this company and he doesn't understand the media landscape, which is really shifting sands right now. Yeah, you know, if Nelson Peltz wants to be more influential in the Disney brand, invest in the Disney brand, right? There you go. That's I mean, that's you know, plain and hey, simple. Listen, I he's mean, already made a lot of money because the stock has gone up quite a bit. Oh in the yeah, last of course. Couple of weeks. Oh, one percent is nothing to 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 you know to sneeze at. However, you want to you really want to be part of it. Uh, look, you know, buy stocks like everybody else. That's all I have to say. Just if you want to be more influential, then invest more into the company, right? I mean, one percent is not is not enough, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, and, and, and and by the way, you know, Disney has had an incredible run. Uh, you know, the fifteen years with Bob Iger at the helm. Okay, you know, it, it's been fantastic. There's been a couple of missteps, including a major pandemic that had severely crippled this company you know it shut down the theme parks it shut down movie theaters it shut down cruise lines i mean it it essentially you know shut down most of their businesses uh for a period of time so you know look that was unprecedented i would say and i've said it before you got to give bob 
uh, you know, the next eight to 12 months uh, to uh, make the changes that need to be changed. And I think he's going to do it. I really do. And I think it's I think it's awful that he is going after one board member, try and kick one board member off. And by the way, you know, that board member uh, is an uh, is an executive at MasterCard. You know, and uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it's crazy. It's, it, it's absolutely happen. crazy to me uh, that you would just target this one person, you know? Well, so. once again, well, once again, uh, Disney, if I'm not mistaken, Disney's board actually has a couple of vacant seats, right? So if you if you want to put up or shut up, just go ahead and buy more, more and buy, buy your seat. Yeah, you know? I, I I agree with you on that. You know, it's it's just, you know, all I would say is, you know, have faith in Bob Iger. That's all. Well, I think you're right. I mean, you know, there hasn't been anyone to to uh, come up uh, from the from the, you know, from the the floor just to to say, look, I can help lead this company that they have full trust. No, they brought Bob Iger back. So yeah. let's see what he can do. And you're right. I mean, you know, out of his record, I would say it's not spotless, but it's pretty darn good. Listen, he gets a mulligan. Okay. <laughs> Everybody he gets, get, he gets a mulligan. If this is a golf game, Bob Iger gets a mulligan. In fact, he gets one or two, three mulligans as far as I'm concerned because of his track record. So let's go. leave it at that. There all you right? go. Just let me drive the golf cart, Bob. That's all I want. <laughs> let me just drive the golf cart. I, I will totally, I will totally be there for you in the golf cart. Cause I'm sure he's a good yeah. tipper. Um, so here we go. As the world turns again, uh, more in the in the uh, the kind of uh, battle between Disney World and Ron DeSantis there in Florida, Dave. It just doesn't stop. It it, it really doesn't. And uh, you know, listen, I have to say that uh, the the Florida legislature is meeting for a, they're having a special meeting this coming week to deal with uh, the um, uh, Reedy Creek issue down in Florida. And, and you know, this is it, it says Florida law, lawmakers will meet this week to complete a state takeover of Walt Disney World's self-governing district. Uh, and, uh, he said the Republican leaders of the legislature in coordination with DeSantis on Friday ordered law lawmakers to convene for a special session this week to deal with the Reedy Creek Improvement District as the Disney government is known. Uh, and they're, they're, you know, this is DeSantis going after them for the don't say gay bill. And, uh, you know, this was a major debacle under, um, Bob Chapek. And uh, it's uh, I think it's ultimately going to hurt the company. Uh, and I hope that they can try and find some sort of workaround. But uh, DeSantis, they're going for it. And by the way, they're doing this to make sure that the uh, residents of Osceola and Orange County is are those the two counties That's down right. there? That's right. That that Walt Disney World straddles, uh, they will not have, uh, um, you know, they will not be hurt by any changes uh, when it comes to uh, debt obligations and things like that. This has a possibility of being one of the most influential pieces of law that could be passed. Um, regarding a big entity like Disney and a landowner like Disney. Yeah. So they have to tread very carefully on that because it could just, you know, unfold 
and uh, unravel, if you will, or, you know, a really big tapestry can totally be unraveled and get dismantled in a very bad way. Yeah, you know, I, I, I will sit here and tell you that, you know, if Disney was thinking of opening up another gate on that property, which they could have probably opened five more gates, they have sure. so much land down sure. there. Um, you know, the company may rethink that and decide, you know, maybe we'll go and build something in Texas or, you know, in the middle of the country, we'll build some big new theme park there instead of building it down in uh, Florida. Well, I believe, well, I believe now that Bob Iger is back, I think that is one of his priorities is to help kind of smooth over all of this situation here and say, look, we, we can move past this. Let's please do this. You guys can figure out, you know, something, or maybe we can work together to find a solution, but let's kind of slow walk, or let's slow walk this back. Can we do that? Can we just start? Yeah, I, I hope they do, but you know something, I look, it's, it's certainly conceivable that they're going to build some sort of Marvel themed park someplace. You eventually know? it's going to happen. You know, what's that? I say eventually it's going to happen. Yeah, they have to. I mean, I why wouldn't you? I mean, I would love to go to a completely Marvel themed park. And I think there's a lot of Disney fans that don't want to see the Marvel stuff integrated into Disneyland. You know, I, I mean, it's like leave Disneyland as Disneyland uh, and, uh, you know, part of the, the Disney brand and take Marvel and create a Marvel uh, themed, uh, um, you know, amusement or theme park uh someplace else you know you don't have to put it all in florida uh, honestly i i really do think that they should build something uh you know that's more in the middle of the country you know yeah. and uh and when i say that obviously from a weather standpoint you want to go down into into the southern states but you know texas you know, Louisiana, you know, Arkansas. I mean, someplace where you could go in and build a, you know, build a massive uh, Marvel themed uh, park. You could definitely do that, you know, um, or, you know, there's so many things that they could possibly do. And that doesn't interfere with what's going on over at Universal in Orlando. But, right. But, I mean, I think if the checkbook is, is there, that, uh, and we, well, that Universal, NBC Universal, would be able to get a huge payday by converting that uh, into something else. You yeah. know, and, and, and anyway, so to- it, we'll we'll see what happens with with, with this whole uh, crazy thing down in Florida. Yeah, you know, this is something that never should have happened. Yep. You know. Well, now that uh, well, absolutely. Well, now that uh, we talked about some superheroes, I, I was thinking maybe with this reboot of the DC Universe that uh, Warner Brothers may want to take over that part of the NBC Universal Park uh, because of Harry Potter and working with the the Warner Brothers, uh, you know, type of uh, IP. But uh, the entire DC slate has been revealed over the next few years with James Gunn and Peter Safra and Dave. It's 10 projects. It is pretty massive and a very big undertaking for the two of them. Yeah. And you know something, this is what, this is exactly what needed to be done. Uh, They needed to have somebody come in that could, could put together a vision uh, and a, you know, a decade long vision of all of these great superheroes and, and make good movies. Uh, 
because the DC films have been hit and miss, as we well know. Uh, and I know some of these uh, changes they've made have been shocking to the fans. Uh, but you know what? I think they need to write the ship and get it onto a track like uh, the Marvel Universe, you know? Um, you, you need to have a DC universe that, that is, you know, cohesive, uh, and also, you know, well done. I mean, I, I can't think of a Marvel movie that is terrible. Right. Can you? Nope. Sure. can't. Right. No, nope, sure but I can certainly, I could certainly think of some DC films that have been terrible. Yeah. Once again, you're right. It's hit and miss. Right. And yeah. I think they need to get that cohesiveness in there and really have, you know, the, the IP runners, if you will, like the Peter Safran, um, you know, situation there along with uh, James Gunn. So quote, uh, James Gunn has said, quote this week, one of our strategies is to take our diamond characters, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and use them to prop up other characters that people don't know. Right. Gunn knows all about that because the guardians of the galaxy he brought up in the MCU were relatively unknown characters. And now they're right. the most, one of the most popular teams in the Marvel universe. So yeah. Saffron added to build those lesser known properties into the diamond properties of tomorrow. Uh, they scheduled a bunch of really cool, uh, you know, projects, including uh, some animated stuff like the creature commandos, which is kind of like a, you know, I hate to say another Guardians of the Galaxy type of, you know, team. You also have a, sp a spinoff of Peacemaker with John Cena called Waller, which takes uh, Viola Davis's character and puts her in a whole new series, which is cool. Superman Legacy, which is a uh, movie of Superman, which kind of has, I guess it's kind of a soft reboot uh, for the character. And then you have Greg Berlanti, who long time worked on the Green Lantern TV show and a prolific producer of TV, is working on a Green Lantern show, which is great. I love that character Green Lantern, one of my favorites. And then The Authority, based on a team of superheroes that would uh, take extreme methods uh, into their hands. So just kind of like a few good men, right? Kind of with yeah. Jack Nicholson, which is kind of interesting. And they're going to reboot uh, uh, the DC Batman. Now we know that... Um, Robert Pattinson in his latest incarnation of a young Bruce Wayne is going to be back for another movie, but they have brave and the bold, which will introduce the other characters, uh, Robin Damon Wayne, uh, who's, uh, I guess the little son of Batman. So there's going to be a family dynamic there. So, and booster gold, which is basically going to be about a, a con man who goes back in or goes forward in time, bringing back future technology to become a superhero in our current timeline. So how about that, Dave? That's a lot of projects. I, I, honestly, I think it's fantastic. And I really hope that, uh, um, you know, he's allowed to, uh, complete this vision you know what i mean because yeah. there's been so much upheaval at warner brothers especially with this merger with discovery um i just uh hope that david zaslow who's the ceo now uh i hope that he gives james gunn the uh the runway to yeah. get this uh universe uh off and flying i hope so it seems to me there were so many stop starts for the dc yeah. uh, franchises um, because of just constant studio interference. I yeah. Mean, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, put your trust in James Gunn and let it go, you know, 
for for the next three four years well, you know yeah. and then reassess it if he's not producing if the movies aren't good which they're not good they, I, I i have total confidence they're going to be great films they're going to be great i mean look at what he did yeah. with brightburn and a twist on his his superman style character and horror look at what he did with the suicide squad and peacemaker yeah. those things are great projects so come on yeah. let's let's do it there you go all right last but not least uh we have a, a regret to tell you about melinda dillon actress in close encounters of the third kind and a christmas story passes away at the age of 83 two-time oscar nominee who appeared in bound for glory and slapshot and on broadway and who's afraid of uh, virginia wolf um once again a great actress dave you know i have to tell you most people who have seen a christmas story every year with little ralphie uh and his red rider uh bb gun and all of that uh this is the mother you know, That's everybody right. knows. And, and you know what's amazing? She's frozen in time. I could not believe she was 83. I couldn't either. It's hard. You it, know, it was, it was, you yeah. see her picture and you you just think she's just frozen in time at that age, you know, all these years. But she's 83. She passes away. Yeah, it really is. And You know, that's the thing about these kind of uh, perennial movies that are ingrained in the pop culture in our minds and our hearts. I'll always think that uh, Jimmy Stewart is that same guy, you know, from Fall Creek yeah, Falls, you, you know, know, and all that. And and it's like, yeah, these people, you know, they're older now. And unfortunately, she passed away. But look at her great work and we'll be able to enjoy, you know, her roles in Slapshot, which I love. Slapshot's oh, great that, That's probably the best hockey movie, you know, Paul Newman. I mean, it's just a, a fantastic movie. I love Slapshot. It's great. We don't know. And the Hanson brothers. Exactly. You know, and I love, I'm a <laughs> hockey fan, so I can't help myself. It's just a great film. And then, of course, uh, we talked about A Christmas Story as well. So, uh, once, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. How can I forget, you know? Yeah. Um, Devil's Tower and everything with Richard Dreyfus, it's good stuff. So once again, you will be missed. Go out and seek out some of her films and and uh, yeah. really a great body of work. One hundred percent, I love it. So rest in peace. And now time for part one of a great sit down we had with animator, Disney animator, and first Black African American animator at the Walt Disney Studios, Ron Husband. Enjoy. Let's do it. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. All right, Al John, here we go again. We've got another great guest. We've got legendary Disney animator, Mr. Ron Husband, uh, in the studio with us. And there you go. Welcome, Ron. And you can hear the crowd go wild for you. Uh, How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the uh, the invitation that we can hook up and uh, and do this. Oh, it's, you know, something, it's my pleasure. Uh, Al John and I love having all these different guests on and because of the, you know, the great backgrounds that we get out of people. And I, I always ask this question, how did you get into animation? How did you, you know, what, what was the catalyst for you? <laughs> wow. Um, I, I, well, I, I knew, I know nothing about animation uh from the get from the get go. Um I was um a jock in high school and uh I went to a junior college um well graduated from Monrovia High School, went to junior college, six junior college, and I had um wanted to uh apply to Art Center 
you know, yeah, I've been blessed blessed to be able to to draw all my life, and so it's it's something I I wanted to do, but I didn't know exactly what to do, uh, as far as uh, having role models or seeing and being exposed to artwork, nothing of that nature. Uh, it's just that I just enjoyed uh, being creative. Um, so um, I played football at uh, Citrus College Junior College, got my A degree. Um, when I graduated from high school, I wanted to go to Art Center, uh, but <laughs> I um, counselors and you know, um, and, you know, just just family. Uh, you know, I was the first uh, one to like go to on to college, and so right. my brother had gone on to college, um, junior college, and um, you know, but. So, you know, college wasn't like a, a big priority. Uh, so I was sort of um, iffy as, uh, you know, the, the steps to take to, uh, to sure. get into college. And um, I had graduated from college and I was actually from high school and uh, filling out applications to um, to go to <laughs> college. But you had to have an SAT test, right? So I ended up taking SAT test in June after I graduated from college, probably from high school, and uh, and I, you know, by the time the results came back, uh, you know, it takes months, you know, for yeah. results to come back, and uh, and all through um, summer, you know, I'm waiting for these results. I'm thinking coming back, you know, like a week later or so. You know, I'm sitting there waiting, 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 and nothing's happening. And uh, so I ended up uh, not going to college after you know, my, in the fall after I graduated, uh, waiting around for uh, some results. And uh, so, so that January, uh, actually that Christmas, I got word from our center that hey, you know, we, uh, we accept we'll accept you uh, into it, but I didn't have the money to go, you know, uh, right. to an art school. They were, you know, and. Uh, it, it, it probably worked out for the best. <laughs> like I said, even though I had uh, been accepted, uh, you know, I didn't have the money to go. So I enrolled to a junior college and uh, a Citrus Junior College in San Azusa. Um, and, and I played, you know, football there. And I was. Uh, well, you, football, did you did you did you play football in high school? I played football in high school. Was yeah. that that was the sport? Football, football, and track. Yeah, I ran. OK. Football. And I ran track basically to uh, get better at, uh, so I had some more speed <laughs> yeah. as a, as a, in, in high school, uh, playing football in high school. And and that's a, a, a whole nother story in itself, how I got to, you know, to, uh, to play football. <laughs> but um, yeah, I played football in high school. And like I said, I went to Citrus and I ran track, played football there. And I was... And I got my AA degree there, uh, you know, and uh, taking art classes, not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I remember taking a class on kinesiology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Medical illustrator. I said, oh, medical illustrator, that makes pretty good. But, but kinesiology is like really, really hard, you know, because they, they're, they're telling you stuff that you, they're trying to prepare you for to be a doctor or a nurse, right? They're, yeah. They're really, and I said, wow, you know, this is like not really what I want to do. Uh, but, you know, it, it's art related. And I still wanted to do something in art, but I just didn't know exactly what. Um, so I was, uh, and, and 
I was fairly successful in uh, in, in uh, junior college. I was, I was all conference running back, which uh, draw the attention uh, to the University of Las Vegas, and they offered me a scholarship to play football uh, there at the university. So I, I, um, there at the university, I had um, uh, finished up with my BA degree there. Um, in art? In art, yeah. I got yeah. my BA degree in art there at the university. And still not knowing exactly what I wanted to do, but again, taking art classes and just being prepared. And going back to high school, um, my high school art teacher, Miss Dorothy Clemens, uh, you, you know, four years of... Uh, of art in high school, yeah. I only, I only took, uh, I only went, I only t- had two years of art. Uh, my freshman year, I was, you know, I, I didn't take art that seriously, and I didn't take an art class. And then my junior year, I took art art class, and said, "Well, you know, you're not supposed to be here. You got to take a freshman, sophomore year." Even though I was a sophomore, you know, I was supposed to be in the freshman class, but I didn't take my freshman year. But because I was so good, Miss Clemens would say, "Okay, we'll 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 let you go. We'll we'll get." You. So she um, she was extremely good teacher in art, and you know, she really cared about students, and she got me hooked up with a Saturday. Uh, art center classes and, um, you know, just really went out of her way to, uh, to try to introduce me to, to art, you know, cause you know, I was, yeah. extreme, I, mean, I was a talented student, very talented student, uh, but very arrogant and self-centered and, you know, all kind of you know, teenage stuff going on. Well, you were, you were a football star. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was, I was a jock, you know, all kinds of, and, um, and one day we were, you know, doing some work, some painting, uh, um, watercolor and there were some brushes i cleaned my brush after everybody's leaving there were some brushes that some students hadn't cleaned up and she said ron would you uh clean these brushes up and i just sort of looked at her and looked at the brushes and just sort of walked out to class wow and um you know next day bell rings you know and uh everybody sits down i'm sitting yeah i sit right up front you know and, and she walks over to her desk she says get out and never come back I mean, no, I mean, she used more flower, more flowerly language. Language, than that. all right. But, you know, well, uh, we're we're on a podcast, so I won't go. Into we're we're a family it. show. We're, we're a family. Family. We don't want to be bleeping you out. <laughs> yeah, she kicked me out of class my junior year in in high school, and um, but before she kicked me out, she she um, she she asked she. Um, after class, or not past the class, but she uh, encouraged the class to carry a sketchbook and sketch in it. And so I took her advice, and I was, you know, I, I got sketchbooks. You know, you you know, Dave. Oh, I, I, I you, you know something. I got. I I just want our listeners to know. I you and I have worked on like I don't know twelve pictures at least together, right? You you were in character animation, I was in effects, but we worked on the same pictures together. I. I have so many fond memories of walking out of one of the buildings, whether it was the main studio lot animation building or someplace and seeing Ron sitting on a bench or sitting against a tree with a sketchbook drawing or, you know, you know, at at the commissary, you always had your sketchbook out. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes from this incident of Miss Clemens encouraging the class to carry sketchbook. 
And I literally have done that even to today. Oh, uh, yeah. Through sketchbooks. And so this all has, this all ties into your original question of how I got into animation. I, you know, again, I've carried sketchbook over and over and over, over years and years and years. So now I'm, you know, high school, uh, got kicked out of class, but again, you know, taking her advice, I go to um, junior college, um, football scholarship to University of Las Vegas, get my BA degree, um, got my, and I wanted to be a commercial artist doing book and magazine illustration. That was sort of what I sort of zeroed in on um, my last part, part of college. And um, so I, you know, my portfolio, built my portfolio of these, you know, these finished slick illustration type drawings and, you know, the whole nine yards. And coming back to Southern California, you know, and I wanted to be a commercial artist, you know, there are no commercial artist jobs in Southern California, you know. Uh, and so, you know, I should have been in Chicago and New York, you know, that that's right. publishing, you know. And, and oh, that's where the hubs, the hubs for advertising yeah. were, yeah, you know, yeah. in those for, days. For a young guy breaking into yeah. the industry, you know, that that where I needed to be. But, you know, I had a wife, I got two kids. Okay. And so I'm coming back. And so I got to have some kind of income. So I got multiple, when I, when I graduated from UNLV, I, after my last class, I came back. Home. I didn't even walk. They mailed my uh, diploma in the in the mail because I was at home filling out resumes and going on on job applications. Job, yeah, you know, because you know, trying to get money to come in. Sure, you know, finally get a job. So um, I, I got I, I, I had multiple resumes out. You know, I, I got offered to go to a drafting company. Oh wow, I'm, I'm drafting. So I, I'm you know, this right around the corner from where I was, where I was living. So. I, I went to, uh, you know, I worked exactly one week doing drafting. And I got another offer to come to Honeywell in West Covina um, to, and, and their, in their technical illustration department. I want to be an uh, uh, illustrator. And sure. technical illustrations is sort of closer to, you know, a, a, an illustrator. Yeah. So I took that job. And in the department, there was probably about six or seven um Persons in the in the uh, technical illustration department, and there's one guy. I remember Pat Person was his name. He he did all the you know the, the blown um, illustrations with you know you have a a, a, a screw and you got a, a oh yeah a, so it, it like the exploded views exploded right views. Yeah, he, did, yeah. he, did, he did all the creative stuff. The rest of us did block diagrams of flowcharts. <laughs> no, you know, you know, all these you know, creatives, and then, you know, I'm all creative guy, and I'm doing block art, and I did that for about a year. All right, I, I put a little over a year. You know, money was coming in, you know, because they they were did Navy contracting, all kind of, you know, that was a time when uh, computers, they were, you know, Navy computers, computers were the size of your your, your every refrigerator back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, but you know it it paid the bills and uh, you know and it was it was a you know a good place to work but I want to do something more creative and I said well, if I want to do something creative I got to be around creative people where can I find creative people oh well, let's see uh, well if I went to an art school then maybe I'll see uh, something on the wall or advertisement for you know we want an artist so maybe I'll I'll do something I'll run into something like that so I took a class at night at the art center. 
which is located on Third Street in, in L.A. at the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, oh, this is before they moved to Pasadena. Before they moved to Pasadena, they were right. on Third Street in in, uh, in, uh, in L.A. And so I would drive to L.A. one night a week. And um, the class was called Sketching for Illustration. It was taught by uh, Sam McKim. Ah. Uh, Brian McKim's uh, dad. Yeah. Ed Wed. And, uh, and then one night he told a class about a trainee program that Disney has started uh, to train artists to perhaps work into animation, to be animators. Because, you know, in 1937, you know, they made Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Frank Thomas, Ali Johnson, Mills Call, you know, they were worked on that picture in 1937. Fast forward to 1974. They're still Frank there. Call, they're still there. Yeah. And they don't have a backup, right? They don't have a, a second team. Yeah. You know, they have all the heavy hitters and all yeah. these heavy hitters are getting older. They're retiring. Yeah. There was you know, no bench. No bench. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so now, uh, rather than let animation die or come to an end at Disney, I think Willie uh, Reitherman, I said, well, yeah. let's see if we can bring in some young guy, talent and, and let these older guys train or get some experience from these older guys to pass on to the younger generation. So they started yeah. this program in 1971. Um, yeah, I'm thinking 71. And Don Bluth and Gary Goldman and uh, John Pomeroy were they like the first of that, the first wave to come through that program. And Don was, you know, he's going, he was like the uh, liaison between the older guys and the younger guys. And so yeah. that was, um, so they, they were there. And then they had another, wave that that came through and I think that was the, I was about the third uh wave but um I had my well uh, Mr. McKim told us about the, the uh the trainee program. Yeah. And I remember uh that night going through the parking lot to our cars and the class was saying, I'm not going to Disney. They don't pay anything. <laughs> you know, right right now, you know, animation is like huge. You know, yeah. it's been huge for decades. In the 70s, you know, you had Disney doing a, a feature once every two, uh, three to four years. Yeah. Uh, you had Hanna-Barbera doing Flintstones. You had, you know, these, everyone's so that, they, they, You could count the studios on one hand. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, they, and they didn't pay, you know, they didn't pay very much. You know, and no. it, was, it wasn't a household name. It just, you know, it just wasn't at that time. Right. But for me... It was an opportunity to perhaps be able to do something more creative. Yeah. So I took Mr. Kim up on it, and he hooked me up with uh, Eric Larson, who was the head of the training department at the time. Yeah. And uh, and I got an interview with Eric, and I went over, took my portfolio, and Eric looked at it and said, "Okay, Ron, you know it's it's, it's okay, but what we want to see is quick sketches done." In a sketchbook from live action, I mean, from live um, animal or humans, you know, that's what we want to see. I had not included any of that into my portfolio. I had no idea that that's what they wanted. But you had a ton of it, right? I had a ton of it. And did you tell them that? I went home. I got three sketchbooks, dropped them off at the guard gate, and that guard gate right off of uh, Buena Vista. Yeah, yeah. Just to Eric. And about a week later, uh, Eric. Uh, called and, and said I could start in a training program anytime I wanted. Wow. 
um, based That's on awesome. my sketchbooks. And it wasn't, I knew nothing about animation. I didn't yeah. know uh, X sheet from a hole in the ground. Didn't know anything about animation. I hadn't seen the animated feature. But that's what they that's what they wanted though. They wanted to they wanted somebody like you to mold you into what they wanted yeah. the animator to be, right? Yeah. yeah, they saw potential in my quick sketches because I was able to capture action and movement in my drawings. And that's what they were that's what they wanted to see. So I had the potential. It wasn't that I was gonna be animated it was just I had the potential because I knew nothing about animation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they had they had, and at the time they were taking in all kinds of backgrounds of uh of art. Like Glenn Keane had been there probably about six he got there about six months before I I did but he came with Cal Arts and and they have you know they have a, a well rounded program where sure. they're dealing with them. So you had people who were more animation experienced People like myself who had no animation experience at whatsoever, and everybody in between. And they would, uh, but again, there wasn't a whole lot of applicants because animation was just not that right. popular at the time. But uh, they accepted me into the program, and, uh, and, I, and I remember I, I timed it. Uh, my last day at Honeywell was on a Friday, and that Monday I started at Disney. You know, uh, February the tenth. Wow. 1975. I started at Disney. Wow. First day, knowing nothing about animation, but I could draw in the sense of being able to capture movement in my in my quick sketch. And, and, that, and that's something that's been the basis of uh, of my my illustration work, my animation work, and just um, quick sketching. Your art. As, yeah, I look at quick sketches as uh, my practice because the same yeah. things as you look for in a quick sketch, the same things you look for in an illustration, the same things you look for in animation: balance, proportion, perspective, uh, silhouette value, uh, and you just add timing. I mean, you know, it, it, it's just uh, one big word. I, the word I use when I teach is quick sketch, illustration, animation. All one word. And because the same things, if you can learn how to do a good quick sketch, because you're looking for, and if you're looking for a balanced proportion perspective, the same thing you're looking for in an illustration, the same things you're looking for when you do an animation. Um, but yeah, you asked me how I got into animation. That's how I got into animation through the back door. <laughs> well, that's not, uh, that's still, you know what? I, I don't know if I would say it's the back door. You you just came through a, a different entry point. Yeah. You know, in, in, into animation, and so you get into the animation program, and uh, Eric Larson's your mentor. Uh, Eric, yeah, he was the um, the he, he, he was the head of the training program, he was right? The training program. He, he made sure that uh, you know they were um, um, running guest lectures. Uh, people who you know, season them. Ward Kimball came to talk to us. Mark Davis came to talk to us. Uh, Tex Avery came to talk to us. You know, they, they brought in you know whoever he could get to come in and and, and encourage us and we we looked at uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, Lauren Hardy, Schwartz, um, you know uh, you know it, it, the um, um, silent silence silent shorts right yeah what yeah people were doing body language acting. With yeah, their bodies, you know, it was all pan pantomime. Pantomime, you know, that, yeah. that was that was what we were, we were looking at. It was, it was as if our training was as if we were um, preparing for to put on a play. 
because literally, you know, the characters are putting on what an acting performance, and it's all about performance. So it wasn't about so much drawing; it was more about uh, performance, uh, acting, putting over uh, the story points and gags, and how to be able to uh, pull off a gag successfully. And uh, so our training, the training was it lasted uh, four weeks. You got uh, you got four weeks. And, uh, to do a, a, a rough pencil test. And, you know, some tests were more sophisticated than others, like Glenn, you know, Ben came in and, uh, you know, his test would be a lot more sophisticated than mine because, you know, me with no animation experience whatsoever and, and seeing um, these lines move as you flip the pages, you know, it's like, well, eye popping news yeah. to me the first yeah. time and yet people who are coming in who have more experience and it's so well, well he yeah but glenn, glenn had gone through the cal arts program yeah, which yeah, was yeah. a character so animation like, program so he had instruction on animation yeah. prior to coming into that program yeah. at the studio yeah. so yeah, you were yeah. coming you were coming in cold cold yeah but they yeah. were taking you know all kinds of of artists who were interested with the with the hopes that we could learn all the acting and all the timing, all the stuff that goes along with it, to be able to hopefully uh, uh, work into the field of animation, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, yeah, after four weeks uh, with a, um, uh, a a pencil test, they show to the seasoned animators and and some of the um, the production people. And say, well, this person has potential. This person doesn't have potential. So they are because because even if you got into the training program, they paid you. I think like one hundred forty four dollars a week, something, something very weak. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. You're in there. You're making you you're making a month. You're making a buck, um, and you're learning and you're learning. You know, the, animate the Disney way, Disney style. And, um, and so after four weeks, you show you your test, and and probably about half the people uh, wouldn't make it, you know. Okay. So, so when you started, you know, you got four weeks to complete it. So open the second floor of the, of the animation building uh, around Eric's room, uh, they had, you know, all the trainees. And we yeah, were yeah. up there, uh, you know, and we we're all encouraging one another and talking these scenes out. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Eric would take time and uh, go over our drawings for us and give us pointers and it was a great environment, a great learning environment. You know, it's just just uh, learning every day, particularly for me. You know, coming out of a, a no uh, start from from ground zero. So I passed my first test. So you pass the first test, you get another four weeks to do another pencil test, uh, and you know, take it on the information that you had um, that you had learned the first four weeks, and yeah, and build that. on it. And building on that, yeah. and I uh, showed I showed them, the, and so um, after my four, uh, my second four weeks, they showed the uh, the test. You know, it's a little test. I mean, it's like you know, two three seconds. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. But they want to see if if you got uh, you know if you're picking up the concepts. Yeah. So I passed my second test, and uh, so after I passed my second test, you know, then you can you become official. You can join the union. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, uh, as uh, you're 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 now officially in the in the in the Disney and feature. Well, it, it, the the Screen Cartoonist Guild. Yeah, yeah. Local eight thirty nine. There you Local go. Eight thirty nine. You're you're able, you're able to join that yeah. that thing, you know. And uh, and so now, you know, I'm I'm official. 
uh, we're still on the second floor. They're waiting to have room because at the time they were working on the rescuers on the first floor. Yeah. And uh, and so um, the animators, uh, they were having their in-betweens done by the pool of, uh, of trainees. And so Glenn and I uh, were sent down to the first floor and we had uh, a D-wing uh, at the end of the hall. It was a double room where you, you know, enter in one room, enter into the into the room with which I had, and you had to go through my room to get to Glenn's room because uh, of the doorway on the other on the far side of. The yeah, room. The, the, it was a, a an inner and outer office. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. At the end of the hall, and so Glenn and I were, were teamed together. I mean, Glenn was like the first guy I met at Disney, so we you know we just become fast friends uh, from day one. But uh, but yeah, we're, we're down down there, and 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 uh, Glenn had been doing in betweens for for Ollie. And I was doing in-betweens for Frank. And that's how I learned animation, by doing Frank's in-betweens. Wow. And uh, How and was Frank great, to work for? Great. Uh, you know, nice guy? He's a, you know, a total gentleman. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's he, he, you know, very low-key. But, yeah. but, you know, I, I picked up, you know, the, uh, you know, how thoroughly and uh, he takes on a scene and, and dissects it, analyzes it, uh, thumbnails, the, you know, all kind of thumbnails to make, you know, to get the scene in uh, the way he wants it. Um, you know, and, and, and I was doing these in-betweens and sitting there seeing how how he worked and how yeah. he uh, approached the scene. And, you know, the, the only drawback is that, you know, I, I was so uh, new in animation, I didn't know the question to ask him. You know, I got you. He had a ton of knowledge, but I didn't at the time. You know, I'm still learning the, you know, and so I just didn't know uh, the question to ask him. But, uh, but basically, you know, I got I had a chance to do his in betweens and 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 learn from him. Uh, and every once in a while, he would give me uh, a scene to do, and I did uh, 51 feet of animation under Frank uh, on ra- on rescuers down under. On res- uh, no, no, on rescuers. Oh, I, excuse me. I, yeah. I'm so used to saying down under because yeah. that's the one we worked on. No, you're right. The first rescuers. Yeah, the first rescuers. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, my job, you know, from uh, eight to five was to do Frank's in-between. Uh, but on, uh, you know, lunchtime and breaks and weekends, you know, I, I would be working on these scenes that he would give me. You know, there were, you know, there were simple scenes, mostly actions, which freed him up to do more um, uh, dramatic, uh, emotional, dialogue, emotional, yeah, the stuff that I couldn't handle at that particular point in time. Right. But, uh, but he, you know, he supervised me through uh, 51 feet of animation and uh, you had to do 100 feet to get screen credit and become yep. an animator back in the day. And uh, so I had, you know, I, I knew exactly, you know, the. 51 feet because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm counting these things because, you know, you, everybody wants to climb up the ladder and because and yeah. you, you get off the clock, right, you, uh, you, you you become an animator, you get screen credit, you know, so everybody is clamoring. To, to yeah, and, and, and just so our listeners know, when you say you get off the clock when you become an animator, uh, all the artists had to go through uh, when you came onto the studio a lot, you went through a, a little uh, time uh, shack, you yep. know where where you punched your time card. Time card, yeah. Yeah, you punched in and then you punched out when you went home. Yeah, and yeah. and and it was a big deal when you yeah. didn't have to do that anymore, yeah. right? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was one of the perks of, of being an animator. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, but yeah, uh, but the production halted for, uh, for rough animation, uh, rough animation at, uh, uh, at my 51 feet. And, uh, so I went into, uh, the next production was Peace Dragon. And I was, uh, Frank and Ollie had, uh, uh sort of semi-retired, but they were, you know, writing their book and, yeah. and they got, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so on, on, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Peace Dragon. I was doing, uh, uh, in-betweens and doing some animation for Gary Goldman. Mm-hmm. And I got another 50 some odd feet for, uh, the projection ended. And so, you know, even though I had 51 feet on, on rescuers, you know, all that footage was a credit to, to Frank. Right. Right. But if I had hit the front of the feet, you know, it would have been credited to me and I'd been, you know, an enemy, but you know, it go it all goes to Frank and and on uh uh Peace Dragon, you know, another fifty one feet of animation, but it goes to to Gary Goldman because yep. his scenes, uh what I was doing uh in between for him. So the next production up was uh uh the small one. We did the small one. And I finally uh hit my hundred feet on small one and got my first screen credit. Uh, and so that the small one was uh, was a short, and yeah. that was 1978. Yeah, I think it was 78. It was released yeah. in 79, I believe. Yeah, uh, at least in 79. And but yeah, that was my first screen credit on uh, on. Uh, on How'd that feel? Um, at that time, um, I was going through some health issues. Uh, I got. Yeah, you know I something. Got, I, yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about this because this was before I came to the studio. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, you know, I was always a, a jock and you know doing all kind of athletic stuff or trying to stay in shape. And I, I stop off and and, uh, and run and run before I go go home. And I got home and you know I, for some reason you know you catch your second second win. They say you know you get tired. I was tired. I just, I just kept on, just never really got untired. I was just tired all the time, and and my speech started to get slurred, and my eyes started to turn yellow, and um, and I walked down a hallway, and I had to bang against the wall to, to keep my balance. My equilibrium was going, and I remember uh, living in Monrovia, the uh, studio in Burbank was probably about 20 miles away. And I remember yeah. in one lane and driving in one lane up the, up the to, to the freeway. So I wouldn't have to turn left or right. If I turn left or right, I look up and down, I got dizzy. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and going up and down the hallway, um, um, Ron Miller said, well, what's wrong with Ron? You know, the studios has you know, always been very friendly on first name basis. You know, and the executive knew, uh, the employees, you know, it was, uh, yeah, working environment. It was a first name basis. You walk down the hall. It didn't matter who the person, if you saw the head of the company, it was a first name thing, right? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and Brian Miller saw me, you know, walking down the hall and banging on the wall, trying to you know, keep a balance. What's wrong with Ron? And I had been going to a doctor and, uh, the doctor's Examined me and he said, "You know, um, I'm not going to write you a note to get off work." And so, you know, doctor didn't take it seriously. You know, then I didn't take it that much. That yeah, yeah. yeah, that was his attitude. So, um, I mean, I'm there at work, and you know, I had these pills, and you know, these pills would 
because I, I couldn't keep anything on my stomach. So, you know, I'm losing weight, you know, and and uh, so wow. this was going to help me to, you know, keep stuff down on my stomach, but it made me drowsy. So I'm sitting at work trying to push a pencil and, you know, trying to stay awake at the desk. That wasn't working. And um, and so Ron says, okay, he had his, his, he had his secretary um, make appointments for me to go see specialists. And uh, he, he called up and said, Ron, we got you an appointment to go see uh, American Dr. Line. He's an ear, nose, and throat guy. You know, so he went over and he examined my ear, nose, and, or, you know, the examination. I remember, you know, they, they took a syringe and they squirt ice water in your ear. Ouch. And if you get really, really dizzy, you know, you know you're okay, right? And uh, I remember sitting in the desk, oh, wow, you know, it's like, you know, and uh, and then the other ear, you know, then okay, nothing wrong with your ear, nose, and throat, so you you're out of here. And, but you know, I get these these calls to go to stresses, and and finally I got a call to go to a neurosurgeon. Wow, they happen to be, uh, you know, St. Joseph's right across the street from the studio, yeah. and, uh, and there was a doctor's office on uh, right across on Alameda. Yeah, uh, the uh, on the north west side of Alameda and I remember walking over there and struggling up the stairs and and getting, you know, going to his office and he liked to blow a gasket. You know, he said, you know, shoot. Uh, go, go across the street, check yourself in, don't go home. You know, um, you know, we we you know, we gotta do something for you right now. So probably uh, we uh, we're talking about um you asked me about um in my experience on how to feel to be an animated, you know, be put right. to an animated. Well, I had done um, the last scene. Um, it was um, on the small one. On on um, on the small one, you know, and uh, and the kid climbs up on the wall and he's you know he's waving goodbye to Mary and Joseph as they're going away, and and that was yeah. that was my final scene. And I think and I said, well, you know, if I if I stay home, um, maybe uh, you know I'll get I'll get I'll get better. I'll rejuvenate. You know, I'll feel better. So I stayed yeah. home a whole week. I laid down on Sunday, and that next Sunday, you know, I was just as tired and worn out as I was, uh, you know, uh, when I laid down. And I got a call from Ed Hanson, and Ed said, "Ron, you've been promoted to an animator." Wow. I could barely pick it. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, he's going to come in. I'm going to be working up to desk. He's going to promote, promote to an animator. I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm jumping off the place. That was what I was thinking was going to happen. Uh, but what it really happened, I was home in bed, head calls, and I could barely pick up the phone. He tell me I've been promoted to an animator. I, you know, hang the phone and turn around, turn over, and just go right back to sleep. And I continued to go back to work, went back to work. Um, and I said, uh, Ron intervened and sent me, I was going to these asbestos and the, and the neurosurgeon, uh, he sent, you, he sent you over to the hospital right away. The hospital and within doing some tests and that, um, I think it was a couple of days later, they're going to do a, an operation and a brain operation. Cause I so had a, what? Yeah, I was gonna say what 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 was it? It was a cyst. I had a cyst in the back of my uh, skull, right? And they had to go in and um, and, and 
remove that cyst or drain it. Yeah. And uh, it was a eight hour operation. Wow. Uh, they told my wife, uh, doctor told my wife, he's, he's probably going to die on the operating table. What? But if, but if the operation is a success, he'd be paralyzed from the neck down or the waist down. What? Oh my gosh. But, yeah. I, I, you know something, this is all new to me, Ron. I knew that you had had something and it had gotten taken care of. And I knew that the studio had rallied around you. Right. Yeah. But, but I, I had not, I had not heard any of this stuff. This is unbelievable to me. Yeah. Um, Was it football related by the way? Do you think? They have no, they have no idea um, of how it, it happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, there was other. I never uh, was hit where I had um, a concussion. Never had any yeah. concussions. Uh, but you know, before you high school, before you college, you know, something may have triggered that of a bump or something that happened that yeah. you know just didn't register at the time. And it was just slow growing, right? Yeah, yeah but they had gone in and uh, the doctor drained the cysts because you know your brain and your um, um, skull fit like hand and glove, right? But the cyst was like a like a blister, and so it, it put pre- it put um, a distance between my skull and my brain, put pressure on there, which caused the equilibrium and all the stuff that's going haywire. Yeah, and if it was malignant, you know that would have been a whole different ball game. And thank and, God that thank God it wasn't. They, but uh, but they wouldn't they wouldn't have known any of that until actually they got in there and actually um, started Did the operation. You know, so yeah. I remember, you know, Dr. Oh, you know, you'll be, we're, you'll, you'll be sedated, but you will have to talk to you and talk you through this. Right. And right. So I, I have no remembers of, of the operation itself, but they were able to communicate with me and I'm, you know, cause they were in their places where they needed to say this, whatever communication they were making with me. But like I had no remembrance of it, but they did communicate with me and I was able to communicate with them. Um, but that was, um, that was the, um, I, again, through this eight hour operation, my, my wife, she, you know, she, she fainted. She was out. <laughs> and, uh, oh my but, gosh. Yeah, but, but after it took me about, um, about three months before I could actually get back, get up and get up and move around. Yeah. I'd learn, you know, brush my teeth and you know, my, my baby, you know, to, my, my, where I had to sign papers, you know, for the operation. And, my, and it looked like it, it basically chicken scratch. You know, I, I'd lost yeah. my uh, mobility and my, to be drawn. I remember my brother sticking a, a, a sketch pad in front of me and seeing, you know, can you draw? You know, and I said, what, what, what am I doing? But see, because I'd lost all, you know, motor skills and yeah. a whole bunch of, things but you know over a period of time it was uh, months of time of, of, of um, recuperation recuperation I was able to um uh, just you know go for walker and to walk and to gain my balance and and started back to work uh, half days and then worked into the full days and now uh, let me let me ask you that let me ask you this question <clears throat> when because you were laid up for months yeah uh how did the studio take care of you? The the because I I think I remember something about uh, artists were giving in uh, sick days and vacation days to help you out. Did, did uh, any of that happen or no? 
No, no. You know, um, it's um, long-term disability. Okay. Yeah. It went from um, you know being you know, my weekly salary to um, long-term Disab- disability. a disability check for the disability number of check. months you were yeah. you were out yeah. recuperating. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 But, you know, but, but the studio was support was there morally supporting you. Yeah, yeah, cause, you know, the, on the day of the operation, you know, I think uh, Glenn and guys, you know, some of the guys got together and they, they prayed for me and yeah. they, they had things going on. Um, you know, say, okay, Ron's have an operation this day. Uh, but, you know, that was, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a good uh, opportunity again, you know, they, they were all, because, um, you know, it was one big family, you know. Just, sure. And uh, so, you know, because I was down and out, but, you know, they, they again, coming back, Welcome back, you know, and uh, yeah. let's get going. <clears throat> that that's just unbelievable. How long did it take you to fully recover from that? Was it a like a good year? You think? Uh yeah, it was probably a good, a good year before um, things went back. Down. But you know, because of the the, the removal of the cysts, and you know, I, I was able to uh, things started to go back to normal. You know that yeah. was a you know that was a big roadblock. So it's just a matter of me, um, um, my recuperation, and you know being active and always uh, you know uh, being. I think I was 28 at the time. It was yeah. 78 that uh, May of 78 that operation, and you know so I was like, you know, let's see, 74, five, So I was about three or four years out of being you know an active job. You know, and I always stayed in in uh, some type of shape. You know, yeah. to stay in shape and and being active. So that really helped my recuperation rate. It's because I was, uh, you know, uh, in pretty good shape when I got sick, and so that helped my recuperation rate. And um, yeah, so it took probably about a year or so before I was able to, um, you know, get back to pretty much normal. And and, you, know, and you had and and you had your job. You had your job at the studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, coming back because again, you know, there wasn't like you know a thousand people were applying for the for the for the <laughs> job you know, like today. You know, today's market, but uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, they well, you know, welcome back and uh, you know, and just picked up where I left off. Wow, I mean, that's like a miracle. It really yeah, is, Espe- yeah. especially especially with the doctor telling your your wife that you're either going to die or be paralyzed. That's crazy. Yeah. What yeah. a thing well, to you know, say. Try to prepare her for yeah. what they thought was going to be the the outcome. Wow, yeah, that's that's crazy. So so now you you've recovered from from all of that, and you're you're back on track, and you go you you start working on Fox and the Hound. Uh, let's see, was it Fox? Yeah, Fox and the Hound. Yeah, I mean, there, there, you yeah. do have a credit for a family circus Christmas. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people know that the family circus cartoon isn't that uh, that was Glenn Keane's Glenn, father. Yeah, Glenn's dad, Bill Keane. Yeah, yeah. Bill Keane. Yeah. Uh, was that like a freelance gig that you did? Yeah, just freelance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's freelance. Yeah. But but from a feature standpoint, you went on to Fox and the Hound when when once you were back at the studio. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and did you, when did you feel like you were back a hundred percent? I mean, like from, from all, cause that, that's something that it's got to knock you, knock you for a loop, huh? Yeah. But you know, like I said, being 
in shape and and you know really uh, paying attention to you know your body and yeah and, and you know the recovery rate was really um pretty um it was it was better for you because you were athletic and you had an athletic body. You were in shape and you took yeah. care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. So that that really uh, that really helped. Uh, so um, you know, so I so I, I was back into it, and uh, you know, just just um, it didn't slow me down at all. You know, yeah, but but did did you have any restrictions after like uh, for a while afterwards? Did, did no. you have to did you have to go and get checked on a regular basis for a period yeah, but, of time? Yeah, about once. Let's see, you start off like once a month, then you know, then once every three months, and once every six months, and once a year. Yeah, and I remember doctor saying, "Well, you don't have to come in, come back in anymore unless you know something severe happens." You know? Yeah, yeah. So probably uh, about a year and a half or so of being checked, you know, I was free to go. And, and, and that's been it since then, yeah. right? You've never had any issues never. since then. That gosh, no that, yeah. Yeah. that's so fantastic. T- tell me about Fox and the Hound. Uh, uh, what did what did you do on Fox and the Hound, and and how did you like working on that picture? Yeah, uh, Chief. I was working on Chief and uh, doing some um, Todd, uh, Chief and Todd. Uh, yeah, so those are the main characters, but mostly Chief. Um, Ollie, uh, Ollie had done this really great, uh, you know, story-wise. You know, Ollie had, you know, uh, Amos and uh, the Chief, you know, he gets drunk on the back porch and, you know, he had all this, this uh uh, great animation, but you know, just didn't fit in the picture. You know, uh, for a story was going, um, and they had uh, a, a sequence with uh, what's it, Phil, Phil, Phil Harris. Yeah, Phil Harris. Phil yeah. Harris and uh, Charo, Charo, uh, Charo, Charo, Charo. Yeah, yeah. They, they were these, uh, out in uh, <laughs> when Todd goes off in the woods. You know. He, Comes across uh, Phil Harris and Terrell characters, and they're singing the song, and you know, going all the, you know, but it just didn't fit in the story. Why? <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. But but isn't isn't that the case with like every film? There's always like some sequence or some piece of the film that you know everybody loved, but it it's like the soup eating sequence that Ward Kimball did for you know uh, Sleeping Beauty, uh, not Sleeping Beauty, for Snow White. That um, uh, Walt ultimately said, "We got to cut it out. It doesn't doesn't further the story, even though it was fantastic, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always you know, it's always about um, um, the story, giving new insights into the character, or new insights into the story as it flows along. But if it you know it doesn't flow, it just sort of puddles. It's, you know, it's, it's out of here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah hey, um, but Fox and Hound, yeah, that was a, a good experience because again, you know, I'm learning. You know, every, every yeah. It's coming off of uh, ground zero, you know, everything was just like a building block, just learning. Sure, but but would would you would you say Fox and the Hound? You felt like you were starting to get comfortable and come into your own, uh, or or did, did you still feel like you were kind of learning it? Yeah, I felt like I was, I was still learning. Uh, you know, because now we're dealing with a four-legged characters, right? You get four-legged uh, and, and quadruped quadrupeds are always more difficult to animate, aren't they? Uh, well, you know, then, uh, it, was, you it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I didn't see it as, as, um, 
typical it's, it's, anime. It was, it's just the timing that I was trying to get down the timing yeah. of the of the city dialogue, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and but you know, just the 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 physical drawing of the characters, you know, that was something that you know that had always come, you know, fairly um I can't say easy, but you know, understandable for me. Yeah. You know, to, you know, to analyze four legged walk and whatnot. So it's, it becomes a um a matter of, of putting on a, the acting performance. Right. Uh, right. Um and and uh, and and doing some copper also, uh, chief and co- uh, adult copper, not the baby copper. That was mostly uh, uh, Frank was doing most of the 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 pup, ways the pup, but uh, but the adult copper and uh, and chief and uh, and I did some some uh, Amos Slade because <laughs> you know those days you know, you 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 were more versatile. It wasn't so much uh, you know. Centralized as to one character, but you did the multiple characters, and then once the uh, the picture was done, all the animation was done, then you lend then a hand in um, effects. You know, I remember doing right. uh, uh, you know leaves falling down on uh, on Todd. These you know Big Mama comes out this this pile of leaves, she drops mm-hmm. them down, and I mean, I, and so I did the leaves, and you know, there's a shotgun where the gun hits, and, and boom, the um, uh, the snow and stuff, uh, dirt and stuff scatters, and right. Um, and uh, when Amos Slade is doing the, um, he got this stick and he's doing his bear trap and doing the bear trap, and the bear trap so snapping, yeah. yeah not, so uh, you know, so not only uh, character, but also you know, doing effects, he was helping helping out with the effects, right? Know? Right. The effects part was very, you know, pretty small, and yeah. so we just uh, you know just helping out. You know, it's interesting uh, because I I think that that's always that was always the case early on. Like, you know, when I say early on, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, when we were coming into the studio, it's like you did whatever you had to do to get the picture finished. You know, so if you finished with your role, you you often helped out. I I had that experience on the Black Cauldron and other pictures. You know, when I finished uh, the work in effects on Black Cauldron, they they were laying off a lot of people, if you remember, but but they asked me if I wouldn't mind helping the ink and paint department uh, painting cells. And yeah. I, I I learned so much from that experience, you know, so I, yeah. I always thought it was great to be able to to help out other groups. You know? Yeah. 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 That, that, was, that was one thing that was really, really good about the studio because, you know, there was you know, never experienced a layoff. Right. Because, uh, you know, there was. You know, sometimes you know the the um, the work would be uh, held up or you know just not ready to go into production or not ready to do the animators to come on and but they find something for you to do. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do. Whether it was training or helping training, out, and, yeah, uh, helping yeah. out on something else. You know. Yeah, yeah. Walt Stansfield would uh, have a class and you know, yeah. just, uh, and you can go in and you know not not any work work for production, but you know going in and, and getting um some training yeah 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 and, and uh from fox and the hound your next picture was black cauldron but yeah. it was a very different picture because you were going from you know the this animal picture with quadrupeds to a picture that was more human human characters yeah 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 there, there, you know there was a lot of um expectations for for black cauldron because you know yeah. it's supposed to be the young guys snow white 
you know, right. coming out. <laughs> uh, and and, and oh, yeah, we you know we're gonna make this classic. You, know, you don't you don't you don't make a classic. It becomes a classic because you know other reasons yeah. people were enjoying it. Yeah. Etc. But it's it's just and uh, and I remember reading the. Uh, um, Lloyd Alexander's five um, children's book, you know, the award-winning children's book that yeah. the author had written, and um, you know, and trying to the complication, complexity of trying to um, combine five books into one storyline. Yeah, so you, you got very very complicated, uh, and you know, you, and. You know, bring in Gurgi, you know, who isn't in any of the the uh, the books, right? The books, yeah. And uh, you know, and what Gurgi does at the end, you know, he sacrifices himself into the cauldron. You know, that was done by some guy that comes in at the last minute, almost the same age as as Taryn, and he he does this. And so, you know, where this guy comes from? But you know, it, it was pretty complicated, and and I, and I actually worked. Probably two years, a year and a half, almost two years on the Fairfolk sequence, uh, King Eye League. And oh gosh, it was, I, I and it was cut out. It was cut out. Yeah, they they you know because they were going to have a like you said when they go down to whatever the land is for the you know, little people, they're going to have this big adventure down there. So they had this, this yeah. big lake, this big story point of them going down and and from you know the, the little. King Eye League and all the the fair folk and all of that. It was like two years I, uh, I worked on that. I got to tell you, when I first started working, it was May of 1984, and they uh, I was in A Wing, the effects wing, and the office they put me in was Office 13. And when I walked in there the very first day, there was all of these stacks of scenes. They must have been four feet tall against the wall, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, do I have to work on all of this stuff? I'm like, I'm going to be here forever. And I asked somebody what, what all this was. And they said, oh, that's the Fair Folk sequence. It's been cut out of the movie. Yeah. I was like, wow, all yeah. that work. I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Art Stevens was directing. Yeah. And, uh, Art went home. And just never came back. You know, it didn't, you know, it wasn't like uh, after they made that decision to cut the fair folk sequence out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It and, was uh, like he retired. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he, when he went home that Friday and next Monday, they said, you know, uh, we're going in a different direction, and wow. uh, the sequence was was cut. Yeah, uh, and they, you know, and the fair folk, you know, they they just in there briefly, you know, before yeah. it was like a. They were down. They were down there for you know. For, it was a whole sequence. It was a, a whole, whole, down, a, a whole a chunk of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did, uh, did did you um? I, I mean, what what do you think of the Black Cauldron a, after it was completed? What did, what did you think of it? Yeah. I, I looked at it as just more of a learning experience for me. Yeah. Know? And able to you know do the the horn king and he putting the body into the cauldron and yeah. some tearing so I don't know or yeah, tearing I, 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 and uh, yeah. 
Judy Flam and yeah, and uh, you know the, some witches. You know, I yeah. mean, for me, it was a great learning experience. But you know, for others, it's like you know, wow, this is the worst thing that ever came out here. I, I I never thought it was the worst thing. You know, I I I think it's an underrated movie, quite frankly, and I don't think it's terrible. Um, and uh, I think that there's some really good parts in it. But uh, but story wise, it just doesn't hold together. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't really feel the um, the attraction between um, Taryn and um, Ilanwe. Ilanwe, you know, yeah. he, he, he's he's just, he's not really sympathetic. Can we really feel for him? There's no yeah. Real, so the so the the build up for being able to like those characters and to really have some empathy and feeling for them. It's just lacking, and so yeah. so story wise, they just weren't built up enough to where it engaged the audience to want them, uh, you know, to really feel for them if they're in danger or, or something's happening with them, and uh, so I think you know it just suffers from uh, you know the, the the story aspect of it and, yeah. and uh, some of the characters, but yes, yeah, there's some great pieces of animation in there. Um, you know, the, it was a you know that that close to being uh, a PG, you know, with the with the uh, the Cauldron Born and, and that whole sequence that's going on. Yeah, uh, some some really intense stuff that's happening, but you know, just did, but we had a great after party at Chasen's. I remember that party. That was a great party, oh, and that was a, that yeah. was a, and Chase Chasen's restaurant. That was well, like the was, that was number one in L.A. at the time. Yeah, that was the spot. That was where yeah. all the celebrities went, and I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I I remember that it was it was actually my first um, uh, rap party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do tell, gentlemen. Do tell. It, it was just great. It was it was like great food and great drink. That's about yeah. all I remember. <laughs> yeah, they, they tinted up the parking lot. They, they, they tinted up the parking lot. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it it was. I mean, look. You know, they they did a nice job uh, uh, on that party. I thought. You know, yeah. they spared but, no but, expense. Yeah, but yeah. the uh, the picture didn't live up to expectation. Then you yeah. know. Um, uh, Frank Wells and Mike Eisner and Jeffrey Kastenberg came on and they liked to blow a gasket because we went over budget and uh, and over time and uh, they were ready and, to and, and it wasn't and it wasn't their picture. I don't think they supported it because it wasn't their picture. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. I think that was part of, you know, the the downfall of the movie not doing well. Yeah. Was that there was really no support for it, you know? Yeah. yeah, and they put us off the lot, right? In 85, we were off the lot. Yeah, I, I always like to tell people we were kicked off the studio lot yeah. because, yeah. you know, they, you know, they, they initially when they came in, they were going to try and shut down the animation program. But if yeah. it wasn't for Roy E. Disney, Roy. Who, yeah. who stepped in and said, no, 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 if animation is well, the company will do well. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think Roy was smart in hindsight. I, I think he was very smart in taking the and uh, allowing animation to be moved over to uh, Glendale next to the Imagineering facility uh, because it, warehouses. yeah, warehouses. Uh, warehouses <laughs> that's right. Converted, warehouse. Converted yeah. warehouses. But but it but it kind of took us out from under the microscope. You know what yeah. I mean? And allowed those guys, the the new management coming in, focused on other things, and we weren't in their way. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
But, um, you know, Ron, I, as I said, before we started, uh, we're going to probably go into a part two because there's just so much to unpack with your career. Uh, so I, I'm going to say, let's wrap up this part and we're going to come back and, and do part two with you. Is that okay? Yes, that's great. Yeah, that'll work. All right. Well, this I, this has really been great because I, I there was a lot of stuff about your career I didn't know about, you know, and uh, and so it's been so great having you on, and I'm gonna look forward to uh, doing part two with you next week. Yeah. Okay. That'll work. Your attention, please. <laughs> now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. Uh, Ron Husband is infectious. His sense of humor, and he always has a smile on his face. And the stories, man, Dave, how 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 uh, inspiring is that, you know? You know, he he's an amazing artist. Uh, and as I've said numerous times as we've been talking to him, I always, I, I my memory of him has always been, I would see him sitting someplace with a sketchbook. He was always drawing people, whether it was at the commissary, you know, he'd finish his lunch, he'd open his sketchbook and he'd be drawing people. Uh, he'd be sitting on a bench someplace and he'd be drawing people, uh, you know, and, and by the way, we're going to talk about this in a, in a later interview, but his pen and ink work is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that in, uh, in depth in part three. It's interesting, you know, as we talk about these various art forms, you know, how so many Disney animators have so many other great talents uh, when it comes to various arts from like yourself, Dave. I mean, you with the type of uh, sculptures and the, the woodwork and the different things that you've done over time outside of just animation um, is great. And Ron does the same thing. I'd love to see those sketchbooks and so many great things. So anyway, we're looking forward to part two and part three. Can you believe it? Of this uh, sit down interview with uh, Ron husband. Good stuff. Once again, if you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple, of course, anchor FM, Spotify. Give us those five star reviews. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends all about Skull Rock Podcast and follow us on the social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have all of our shows up there in the vault, so please check out our tremendous interviews with a lot of great Disney animators and film producers. Please check us out. And send us those emails, Dave or Aljohn at SkullRockPodcast.com. And uh, once again, just a quick blurb on me. Uh, follow the Dining at Disney Podcast. Two shows every week, and we would appreciate it everywhere you find podcasts. Dave? Well, Al John, uh, as I've always said, you can go to davidbosser.com. You can see some uh, bunch of articles. I think there's like 60 articles up on oh, yeah. various aspects of Disney history. Um, if you're interested in books and seeing uh, what's available out there, check out theoldmillpress.com, one of our sponsors. And with that, uh, we will see you back here next week on the Skull Rock Podcast. Podcast.